Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast. My name is Tony Allison here with Keegan Stottlemyre for week four of the podcast, covering week seven of the Alliance of American Football regular season. You know where to find us on Twitter, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Anchor.fm. You know where to find us. Uh, we got a couple of things to go through this week. Uh, some Twitter suggestions, attendance reports, uh, game notes for the second week in a row. And uh, we wrote it in all caps, so it's super exciting now. Um, yeah. Yeah, power rankings, players of the weeks, weeks, and game predictions. All right. So let's start it off with Twitter suggestions. We only got one. <laughs> And it was from a football follower at FB Bucks fan. Wonder who he roots for. He said, "Which one no player idea. could be an NFL starter next season? Think scheme fit, position, team." Yeah. Yeah, Tony. Uh, so I came up with a, a couple answers to football followers' question. So starting off with two, the top two highly touted wide receivers in the AAF. We got Charles Johnson and Rashad Ross. Uh, Charles Johnson currently has an 84.1 pro football focus grade. Take that as you will. I don't put a lot of stock in a pro football focus, but I put it in there just in case some of our listeners do. Uh, I can see the wide receiver from Orlando uh, playing for Buffalo. They had one of the worst... They had a notably bad uh, wide receiving core last year. I could see him also going to Miami. Uh, Miami lost Danny Amendola. Uh, They might end up having to trade Kenny Stills, I believe. Uh, Not sure where he'll end up, but not a very good wide receiving core at the moment. So those are my top two fits for Charles Johnson. Uh, Rashad Ross, probably... A better wide receiver, in my opinion, than Charles Johnson. Uh, 86.2 pro football focus grade. Agrees with me there. Uh, And the wide receiver from Arizona could end up also going to Buffalo because their wide receiver core is just terrible. But uh, with the departure of Tyreek Hill, possibly, he could end up going to your Kansas City Chiefs. How would you feel about that, Tony? Uh, Bittersweet. I mean, I I like Rashad Ross. But, you know, if he could replace Tyreek Hill, he'd already be in the NFL. Uh, Because of what Tyreek Hill allegedly did, I'm not going to just flat out say he did it, but there's a lot of evidence proving, you know, pointing to what he did. You know, I could see, based on what happened with Kareem Hunt, I could see Tyreek Hill departing uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And Rashad Ross, you know, he could be a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, but then it would kind of be on uh, Watkins and Conley to really fill that void. Uh, a huge void led by Conley's the... no longer with the Chiefs, I believe. Yeah, Conley's a Jacksonville Jaguar now. Oh, okay. So that's that's all on uh that's all on Sammy Watkins. That. The only reason I knew that is because I saw a comment from a Jaguars exec earlier. Yeah, I'd be yeah, okay. all on Sammy Watkins at that point. So, 
Yeah, so let's not think about that one. <laughs> and uh, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, got two on that side. Uh, we have Jaron Elliott, edge rusher from San Antonio. Uh, he used to be in the NFL. Uh, he had a 92.4 pro football focus grade against a notably good offensive line in uh, Salt Lake. They've been not very consistent. covered, really, by anyone. They they haven't been consistent. First couple of weeks, they were not good. But I thought that's what you were going then, for. Since then, they've been pretty solid. Yeah, per- since then, they've been pretty solid. Uh, Jaron Elliott had a very good game against Salt Lake. And uh, I could see him going to Oakland or uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati really needs some edge help right now. Cincinnati to, needs uh, a lot of help right now. Yeah, they do. But specifically edge help to help uh, Geno Atkins out a little bit. Because Geno Atkins is a superstar player. He's a fantastic defensive tackle. But you can't just have one guy rushing against five offensive linemen. So I can see Jaron Elliott possibly playing for Cincinnati. But I think Oakland's the more likely fit because, you know... Khalil Mack. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Uh, and uh, Keith Reeser. Probably one a couple people saw coming. Uh, the latest PFF grade that we have is a 94.3. And I could see him going to San Francisco uh, because outside of Richard Sherman, San Francisco's secondary was horrible last year. They were awful. But a notable team that he could go to is Detroit. And uh, what's interesting about Detroit is uh, some comments from Charlie Ebersol. You want to cover that? Yeah. Uh, also some comments from a Detroit native. Uh, Marshall yes. Mathers, a.k.a. Eminem, says, Dear the AFF, or AAF, please entertain this thought regarding the Iron and Express game. Allowing the players to actually fight would be key to the league's success, like hockey. I would watch every game, even though there is no Detroit team yet. Hint. Don't blow it. Sincerely, Marshall. And he wrote this in all caps for some reason. I don't know. Is that a thing that Eminem does when he tweets? Yeah, um, I think I he tweets him. in all caps. Good for him. He's yelling. He, he really wants <laughs> the Alliance to bring a team to, to Detroit. It's actually a new Rick. So, you know, Charlie Ebersol responded. He said he'd love to bring a team to Detroit. He thinks it's a great market for an Alliance team. I mean, they basically already have one there, you know, with the Lions. Yeah, they're they're very bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, but if there were there were fights, man, uh, Berkovici would get rocked every game. <laughs> yeah, we have more on Berkovici later. That's yeah. great Berkley, news for Berkowitzi. That's all. San Diego, San Antonio rematch. Sean Washington would just punch him in the face. Just yeah, Sean, Sean Washington would do everything he could to make Berkowitzi's helmet come off as hard as it did week one. <laughs> it doesn't take much, apparently. Yeah. And uh, quick note, Manziel actually responded to Eminem he said I can make that happen really 
Yeah, I think he, uh... I... Here, I didn't me, see that one. Let me see. He, <laughs> he definitely responded. I don't know if he said, I can make that happen. Let's see what he said. He, he responded to Eminem. He said, I got you, goat. <laughs> so, That's amazing. You know, I... the Eminem and Johnny Manziel... There could be fights in the alliance, and according to Charlie Ebersol, there could be a Detroit team soon. So, yeah. very, very weird turn of events. Uh, well, you never know. Johnny Manziel could just be promising Eminem a Detroit team as well. Yeah, he could be. Maybe he's promising that there will be fights on the Detroit team. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, just the entire team fights each other, not even the other team. Just, Or maybe he's just saying, you know... You should watch every game. It'd be critical to, uh, or key to the league's success. If Eminem watched every game, that'd be pretty cool. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe he is saying that. Maybe he's just maybe saying... Maybe Eminem should go to some games. Maybe. Maybe he already I'm has. I'm sure he's not always in Detroit. He I'm definitely sure he's... isn't. He's an artist. He does tours, Tony. <laughs> yeah, good point. All right, moving on to our <laughs> attendance reports for the week. San Diego at Arizona. 9,760 in attendance, the lowest figure of the week. Orlando at Atlanta, 11,416, second lowest. Birmingham at Memphis, 13,758. I'm sure those numbers were inflated because of Manziel. And Salt Lake at San Antonio, 30,345 fans in attendance. Whoa. That is... Yeah, whoa. That's a lot. Oh my god. Um, you know, San Antonio has always bragged about being like the best city for the Alliance based on how much they love football and, uh, how much, you know, how many fans show up to the games and, uh, they're, they're really, they're out there breaking some records and it's, it's nice to see San Antonio is a good football city, Texas, great football state. So it just kind of makes sense that the, the Texas games are pulling in over 30,000 people a game. Yeah, what's interesting about the uh, the Manziel effect, the previous high for Memphis's attendance was 13,621. So it only improved by 137 fans. But what's, what's really crazy for reference, is uh, the Mettenberger effect <laughs> was roughly uh, 2,000 additional fans that week. I think it's really the not Hackenberg effect. Yeah, I guess. We'll see in week nine what happens when Manziel returns to Texas when Memphis makes its way down to San Antonio. That'll be Saturday, yeah. April 6th at 11 a.m. Central Time. So and I'm going to be talking a lot of trash. I'm going to be talking a lot of trash to you. A lot of trash. Yeah, because San Antonio is going to handle uh, Memphis pretty well. Right, well. We'll we'll see about that. It's just my professional opinion. Mm, okay, professional. <laughs> Say opinion. All right. So, <laughs> so uh, moving on from attendance reports, let's go to game notes. It's an all caps. Yeah. So it's exciting now. Game notes. Going to the Express Birmingham game. Brandon Silvers, Memphis Express, pull off the big comeback. Uh, that was 
pretty nuts. I watched that live. Yeah, especially uh, after uh, Johnny Manziel's comments. Yeah, so during the game, uh, after Johnny Manziel was pulled, after his, uh, his, I think it was uh, three, three drives, two or three drives, uh, people started chanting, we want Johnny, repeatedly. And in his post-game interview, Manziel uh, commented that he didn't care for that very much. He said to go out and chant, we want Johnny all day, to put that pressure on Silvers and for him to go out there and deal with that and handle it the way he did was top notch he said I'm kind of sick of that a little bit talking about the we want Johnny chance let it play out you know, and he talked about trying to get back just trying to get good and uh, you know, he said it, it took a little while for me to get back tonight obviously he I think he went only 3 for 5 and uh, 48 yards so I mean yeah I'm not getting, you know, much of a chance to really play that much. He he did pretty good. Uh, this game, Memphis versus Birmingham, was the first overtime game in Alliance of American Football history, and uh, man, it was a good one. I'm glad that Memphis wasn't on the losing end of this one, as they usually are. Uh, so it was uh, it was it was really nice to nice to see that happen. Nice to see the win. Silver's just took control, man. He is he's proved that he he deserves the starting job. And uh, a lot of people have been talking about Manzel being challenged for the starting job. I think Silver's being challenged by Manzel because these last yeah. few weeks he's just gone out and he's performed. You know, leading the. He's looked like a very good quarterback. Yeah, he's he's looked pretty good. So. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with Manzel and Silvers, but for now, I say even though I think Manzel's ready for next week, I say start Silvers. I agree. I think that Brandon Silvers, he was extremely good. His total adjusted accuracy was seventy-four percent, which is one of the highest we've seen all season. He was. Very efficient when he was pressured. He only got sacked twice, left the pocket four times, so he has good pocket awareness. He ran once when he was uh, pressured on a pass play. He was, for the most part, very accurate. When it came to medium throws, he was kind of inaccurate, a little bit shaky with eight accurate passes to five inaccurate. But other than that, he only had three inaccurate passes, which is insane. Especially considering he threw 35 passes to only have eight total inaccurate passes from an AAF quarterback Silver's played really well and I don't think he's getting enough credit for that Uh, I think people are starting to come around and realize the few days after what he did in Birmingham you know they were down at half, I think by uh, by eight points, I think it was, and uh, he yeah he led them back, you know, charged downfield, scored touchdowns, you know, scored two point conversions when it mattered, and uh, just to bring it into overtime and pull out the clutch win like that, you know, Manzel, I th- I think is going to be good, but Silver's is Silver's is playing really good right now, really good football. Yeah, and it's funny is uh, Silver's led the comeback, but I think I think Manziel might have sparked it with a, a little bit of juju. 
with a little, uh, bit of, a little bit of trash talk. Yeah, with a little bit of his trash talk. He, what was interesting <laughs> was Manzel was mic'd up and Silvers wasn't. Yeah, Manzel was mic'd up the whole game, uh, and they call a little bit of trash talk. I'll play that for you right now. It's uh, it's only a couple seconds long, but yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Here, I'll I'll play. It. Yeah, I'll turn up on your bitch ass. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, I hope Crazy. to see more of that. That is. But he he said, "Do you want to?" Uh, I think it was, "Do you want to start with this now?" Yeah. And, and Birmingham was ahead at that point. Yeah, they were up nineteen to six, or nineteen to eight, and uh, and then Memphis won. <laughs> It's just, I think if anything, Memphis has to put in Johnny Manziel at least one drive a game for the trash talk, and they the will win out the rest of the season. Just, just except fire against up. San Antonio. Except against San Antonio? Okay. Especially yeah. against San Antonio. 38-6, <laughs> I'm calling it. All right. Uh, it, was a, it was a really, really fun game to watch if you were a Memphis Express fan, uh, especially after the first half. And the Manziel storyline just kind of makes it better. And that little soundbite makes it really good. So and much better. Oh my I think, God. I think this is game of the week. You know, first OT game. Manziel's debut. Uh, a big comeback from the underdog Silvers. And I think it's the burst of a rivalry between Birmingham and Memphis. You know, they split the series one and one on the year and uh, Birmingham shut him out the first week but Memphis comes back and they they trash talk and they play you know a fiery game so yeah I think I think it's the birth of of a good healthy rivalry alright moving on to Orlando over in Atlanta Uh, Orlando destroyed Atlanta again kind of a repeat yeah of it was not one. a fun game to watch not a very fun game to watch it was it was pretty boring uh the only thing that really made it interesting was that it was a blowout kind of like seeing yeah. those but you know it wasn't as much of a blowout as it was last time it was pretty close you know only by a few points but uh orlando didn't ball out as much as they did week one i don't think the Week one was really, really fun to watch because it was, it was fresh, it was new, and uh, they played a lot of trick plays. This was just a beatdown. Yeah, the, yeah. The only fun part of it to watch was really uh, Kevin Anderson when he came in. Uh, a lot of the guys at uh, Ambush Sports, we love Kevin Anderson, and uh, he came in. He had a scramble for 16 yards. My buddy uh, Moose Gibson freaking out over that one because uh, Moose Moose loves him some Kevin Anderson, but Anderson only had the ball twice. So yeah, it's kind of disappointing. But uh, Gilbert, obviously, great quarterback, probably the best oh, in the yeah. line. So, but it's nice to see Kevin Anderson go out there and play. Give him a little it bit was. of time. But, uh, Even if it yeah. was only for a couple plays. Uh, fun fact: Atlanta is the only team to have lost the game by thirty points, thirty or more points, and they've done it three times this year. 
So yeah, against just the shows three you best how... teams in the AF, or against the two best teams in the AF. Sorry, that shows you how bad Atlanta is. At least against really yeah. good teams. Yeah. Uh, last week, last week was a fun game to watch as a San Antonio fan because at least the touchdowns were like explosive plays. Like uh, Darren Smith, the safety for San Antonio, had like an 80-some yard pick six. But <laughs> but, but uh, this week, it was just Davion Smith running for 3.1 yards per carry and three touchdowns. Which uh, does look like some Trent Richardson numbers right there. Yeah, it's... Uh, actually, odd. better than Trent Richardson because he yeah, still can't run slightly. for three yards a game. So no, he can't. It's amazing. I'm just. I hope that Trent Richardson finishes with the most touchdowns and like just less the than three yards, yards per, carry. per carry. That would make me so happy. That'd be so weird, but I can see. It well, Youngway Koo, Youngway Koo will have the worst yards per carry because he had negative ten. Okay, good point. And Manziel has backs. 10, so... Out of running backs. Yes. I think that Richardson will have the worst. But they'll have the most touchdowns, so... That's you know, a weird yeah. league. But, uh, yeah. Moving on yeah, to... Trevor Richardson is currently averaging 2.6. 2.6. So. Yep, that makes sense. Alright, moving on to Salt Lake versus San Antonio. The big game. You know, 30,000 people in attendance. Uh, Salt Lake is a really pesky breed of garbage. They hate <laughs> them so much. But, uh, you know, it's like they won't go away, but they keep losing. They lost 19-15 to in a close game, and it seems like pretty much every game they play is a close game. Uh, but they tend to come out on the losing side uh, yeah. much more often uh, than that. This is... Probably, this is pretty close to Memphis and Birmingham for me, because it really did come down to one play. Uh, San Antonio up 17-15, uh, Woodrum had just thrown a touchdown, and it was a two-point conversion. Woodrum threw a pick to Devontae Bosby, former Eagles quarterback, or cornerback, and uh, Bosby ran back for a two-point conversion for San Antonio, which ended up sealing the game for San Antonio. It was way too close of a game yeah, for, for me as a San Antonio fan. I was I think scared. It was way too close of a game for me as someone who hates Salt Lake. So Yeah. I think they uh, just they need to stop. Really. Salt Lake just needs to fold and become Detroit. Yeah, I think so. Uh just really game the only two games that Salt Lake has had the score difference of 10 or more points were week six in the win against Memphis and week one in the loss to Arizona. So every other game has been decided by Jeez. less than 10 points. That's actually, I, I thought it was at least three, but oh. I guess I was wrong. No, they're close. They play close football, but they play bad football. Um, yeah. Even Josh when Woodrum, Woodrum was pretty good. It's decent. Yeah. Yeah. 
22 for 35. Uh, those are pretty close to Brandon Silver's numbers. Uh, except instead of two touchdowns, he had one interception and one touchdown. So yeah, Brandon Silver's so played a really good game. And Woodrum was really close to really close to Silver's. I think he had about 30 yards less. And his, uh, his completion percentage wasn't quite as good. But yeah, overall, what, what really sucked for Salt Lake was because Woodrum threw that one last touchdown, uh, Pearson Hell has had his third or second or third week straight without a touchdown. And before that, he, yeah, he was not touchdown dependent, but his point totals were really good because he was consistently scoring for like a two or three game stretch. Yeah, I said and, last week. I think. Yeah, I think I said last week that Pearsonell was the best wide receiver in the game. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. He's he's good, but you know he had he had one or two really really good games, and I think that just kind of skewed my perception of him. He's he's an above average wide receiver, but I wouldn't. I don't think I put. I'd him say top five. Yeah, I wouldn't put him in my top three. Yeah, neither would I. I think top three is Ross Johnson McKay. That makes sense. And After, I if think it was just Pearson week Hall, one, I've, I would have said Ward in there, but yeah, McKay would have uh, been first. Patton. McKay would have definitely been first. He balled out in that first game, man. Yeah, he had like twelve targets. <laughs> yeah, he was he was pretty good. Um, Taylor Bertolet. Bertolet? Yeah, that's how you say his name. He's on one of my fantasy yes. squads. I don't know why I'd say his name wrong. Uh, he kicked three, three field goals. He was three for three, so that's pretty good. Uh, three, good for for three for four. Three for four. Like, I like kickers. <laughs> I don't look at their stats all the time, but I like kickers. Um, Logan Woodside had one of his more average games this season. He went 13 for 19, so not a ton of passes, uh, but, you know, decent completion percentage. I think it was one of the better ones this week. Um, yeah, Marquise, 164 Marquise, uh, yards. Williams was pretty good. Two for three for 49 yards and a touchdown and a two-point conversion. So, yeah, it's not bad. But, uh, yeah, 13 for 19, 68.4% completion percentage, uh, only 164 yards and interception and a touchdown. Uh, Woodrum was the better quarterback this game, but San Antonio was the better team all around. Yeah, I would say this is Woodside's third worst game of the season, probably. Uh, his worst, I would have to say, is week three at San Diego. He threw two picks. He did throw a touchdown and a two-pointer, but had 151 yards, a almost 50, um, almost below 50 per, uh, completion percentage. The only week that he's had below a 50 completion percentage is uh, week four, which would be his second worst game. Went 11 for 25, 106 yards, but didn't throw any picks. So I'd have to say that that was a better performance overall. Yeah, week three was when we thought that uh, San Antonio was going to be bad. And look how far they've come. So Yeah. So good it's, yeah. it's good turnaround. Uh, Evan Rodriguez. Really Great good game, game at tight end. Uh, no three touchdowns. receptions for seventy-one. 
yeah, no touchdowns, sadly. but three three receptions for seven one yards. That's not bad. That's uh no, not bad at all. I'd say for a tight end, that's a great game, especially in the alliance. Uh, tight ends are kind of under under loved, under appreciated here in the alliance. So it's nice to see Rodriguez having a good game in a close one and a low lower scoring game for the alliance at least. Yeah, and uh, the best kicker in the league, Nick Rose. He's a good kicker. 12 for 12. He's 12 for 12. He's good. He's not the best. I don't know who is the best, best? but Nick Rose is good. (laughs) Okay, here here are your kickers. Yeah, Hageman, Rose. Young Waku has kicked. Young Waku has not kicked anything over 38 yards. He's also kicked one less field goal than Nick Rose. Nick Rose has the third longest field goal in the AAF. Uh, Hageman is 13 for 17. Good point. He's the only person who's kicked more field goals than Nick Rose. Elliot Fry has kicked as many as Nick Rose with a three-yard shorter longest field goal. Nick Folk is 11 for 15 with a 55 long. Uh, Novak is 10 for 13 with a 47 long. Bertolet... 9 for 14 with a 54 long, and McGinnis 6 for 7 with a 46 long. So who would be better than Nick Rose? Okay, <laughs> Nick I Rose is the best kicker in the list. Alliance. Nick Rose is the best in the there Alliance. Alright, but I, uh, I overall, overall for Salt Lake at San Antonio, it was a close game. San Antonio should have made it less close, but San Antonio still wins it, and is the best team in the West, and it's not even close. Next no, best they is are... Arizona. They yeah, I think row. that Arizona's good, but I think San Antonio is still far and away better than Arizona. They've been and we're going to see that again next week. So, yeah. Who's San Antonio play next week? Arizona? Arizona, I believe. Yeah. That oh should be a very good game. That'll be a really and good game with playoff implications. Hopefully, hopefully San Antonio beats Arizona and sends them back to 500. Oh, boy. I kind of hope so. Okay. So, San Diego, the fleet is a sinking ship, and Arizona is on fire right now. Uh, Arizona has played really good football the past couple of games, and they proved that they deserve to be ahead of San Diego in this game. Arizona has won two straight. Two straight, though, in very convincing fashion. They put the beat down on San Diego, and they won against a previously undefeated team in Orlando. So that is true. I think Arizona's Arizona's kind of the hottest team right now. Uh San Antonio has something to say about that because they've won four straight, but yeah. Arizona has been very good the last couple of games. Uh San Diego obviously has struggled since Philip Nelson went down as we predicted back I think in week 1 of the podcast, which was what week 4 or 5. Uh, yeah, Walford is pretty much, I think, at least for this game, back to his early season form. He went 15 for 19 with a 78.9 completion percentage. Jesus. And 212 yards, one interception, which kind of sucks, two touchdowns in the air, and one rushing touchdown. So Walford Yeah, but we with- need to see him consistently play like that. Because yeah, that's how he was in the beginning. This very good. Uh, and I think I think 
he might be back to his early season form. Uh, we'll see next week against San Antonio. San Antonio is a better team than San Diego, so I, I expect the numbers to go down a little bit. But he played really good against San Diego. Yeah, uh, the story of this game was really the Hot Shots defense. They had 45 total tackles, which is a lot if you didn't know. Uh, they had two interceptions and two forced fumbles. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of turnovers. Um, a lot of turnovers. Uh, and they knocked Berkovici's helmet off again. Yes. And I said it week one of the podcast. That was it was a perfect prediction. I'm so happy that it happened. <laughs> it happened again. Uh, Keegan actually told me about it right before. I didn't see it. He told me about it right before we started recording that it happened again. Uh, and I went back and confirmed. Yeah, a minute 34 left in the second quarter on a second and 10 pass. Berkovici gets rocked again. His helmet comes off. It's not as not as cool as the first one. But no, still, his helmet came off when he hit the ground, but yeah, it, still it, pretty funny. it came off. It, it came, came off. Boy, it didn't fly to tighten feet up like that chin strap. I'm just, I'm so happy that it came off yeah. <laughs> because I said it would. I said I hoped it would at least, and I was, my hopes came true. It it just. Things couldn't have gone better because San Diego lost and Berkovici's helmet came off, so I'm happy. Uh, Berkovici still threw for over 300 yards, though. Uh, yeah. On 43 attempts, but nonetheless, uh, only 22 of those were caught, which is almost a 50% completion rating. If he had thrown one more incomplete pass, it would have been 50%, which is not great. He also threw two interceptions, uh, which is also not great, uh, and one touchdown. Uh, Donnie Hageman, still my favorite kicker, even though he's not that great. He, uh, he leads the league in field goals, only because he kicks a lot of them. Um, yeah, 17. Yeah, still still my feel-good kicker. Love that guy. You go Donnie Hageman. And, uh, do you think that Arizona is suddenly a threat for the championship now? I think Arizona is making a championship bid, and I don't think they're gonna be a threat, but I think right now we can view them as one. Yeah, they've played really good ball the last uh, have. last couple of weeks, and you know, in such a short season, only 10 weeks, it's pretty easy for a team to come up from the bottom and make a run just like that. You know, two games is 20% of the season. You know, that's a, that's, that's a lot, you know, winning two good, important games, especially because, uh, you know, if San Diego had won, we'd probably make making the opposite argument that San Diego would be making a, a playoff run. Uh, so two games can really sway a team's momentum and Arizona is on the right side of that momentum right now. Uh, but I still think they'll go 5-5. Five and five. I just think that San Diego is going to be worse, and Arizona will go 5-5 five and five and make the playoffs, like I predicted weeks ago. Yeah, I have them losing to San Antonio next week. I have them beating Birmingham 
in uh, week nine, and I have San Diego uh, getting the revenge win in week ten on my birthday. Oh, on your birthday. Well, yeah, I'll make sure terrible to say birthday, happy birthday present. <laughs> San Diego winning. Terrible birthday present for you. I like San Diego, but whatever. I hate them with a burning passion. Okay, there are only I a will few be teams watching that, that I really hate. It's uh, Salt Lake. Salt Lake, Atlanta, and Birmingham. I hate so all So the East, except for Orlando, and the worst team in the West. Yes. Who beat Memphis. Who did beat Memphis. Uh, but Memphis is still better than them. All right. So oh. <laughs> that'll be it for game notes. Moving on to power rankings. Uh, I'm just going to run through these real quick, and then we can discuss them. So it goes Orlando at 6-1 and one, coming off a win. San Antonio also coming off a win at 5-2. and two. Arizona at 4-3 and three with a win. Birmingham with a loss at 4-3. and three. That's why I have them below Arizona. They're both 4-3, and three, but Arizona is yes. the hotter team right now, Sorry. obviously. Uh, Memphis at 2-5 and five above San Diego just because they won... Uh, in a really good game, really tight clutch game for them. Uh, they still suck. They're two and five, but right now they're trending better than San Diego, and I think they'll finish with a better record than San Diego. Don't you put San Antonio on top of Orlando? That's uh, blasphemy. All right, uh, San Diego at three and four, coming off a loss. Uh, all these next teams coming off a loss. San Diego three and four, and then Salt Lake and Atlanta both 2 and 5. So Orlando, Arizona, Birmingham, Memphis, San Diego, Salt Lake, Atlanta. Those are my picks. Yeah, so I agree with you Tony, except your top 2. I I uh, even as unbiased as possible. Okay. I can't put Orlando above San Antonio. Okay, as unbiased as possible. Both teams played two of the worst teams in the league. And San Antonio actually played a a worse team than Atlanta. And only one of those games was a blowout. The other one was saved by an interception in the last few minutes. And yes, San Antonio played <laughs> way too close of a game against Salt Lake for them to be number one. Orlando completely blew out Atlanta. Atlanta and Salt Lake, I think, are on even footing uh maybe atlanta is a little bit better than salt lake so i don't know i just i don't get how you could have san antonio at number one tony you have salt lake above atlanta in your power rankings but now you're saying atlanta's better than salt lake well it's power rankings atlanta's still better than salt lake because salt lake's the worst team in the league so you're saying salt lake is eighth in your power rankings well salt lake played a closer game against a good opponent than Atlanta did. Atlanta got blown out by the best team in the league. Second best team in the league. Because who? what was the score of the Week 7 game that the Atlanta Legends played? Here, let me see. 36-6. to six, Okay, 36-6. Orlando. Orlando, yeah. What was the score of the Week 6 game that the Atlanta Legends played? 37 to 6. <laughs> okay. San Antonio. San Antonio's on a hotter streak. They're on a four win streak. I can't see 
how you could possibly say that Orlando on a one-win streak after beating Atlanta by one less point than San Antonio did is higher in power rankings than San Antonio. I'm basing these by off every the last metric. Week. San Antonio should be first. <laughs> well, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm saying Orlando is still number one in the power rankings. I don't think they. I don't think they move. I don't think I don't think Orlando should move from number one. They've been number one the I think entire they season. I disagree. I, I think last week I had. I think last week we both had them. Oh no, we had them tied. Never mind. I think San Antonio's right now they're a better team than Orlando. Can we settle for a tie at number one? I I guess we can settle for a tie. All right, we'll we'll settle for a tie. San Antonio and Orlando tied, kind of for first place, and Keegan is editing. Yes, so now they're tied. Now they're tied. All right. Players of the week. Offense, Brandon Silvers. He did great. Um, Played a great game. He had two touchdowns, and on both of those, he converted for the two points. And he had the OT win, and it was an upset against Birmingham. Uh, Played under a lot of pressure because of the Manziel situation. So I think Brandon Silvers is the obvious choice for offense player of the week this week yeah he played under a lot of uh a lot of mental pressure but that offensive line gave him a great just wonderful time in the pocket because he only got pressured nine times that was 22 percent of his passing snaps uh this is coming from at the sideline 10 like last week uh honorable mention for the offense Going back to uh, Zachary Garden's stats, the San Antonio offensive line, uh, playing against probably the best edge rusher in the AAF, Carter Schultz. Uh, Carter Schultz had zero sacks and I believe one or zero quarterback hits. Uh, they only allowed pressure on 4% of passing snaps, and the pressure only forced Woodside out of pocket once. Now, yeah, the O line was great. Uh, they did a really good job of shining down Carter Schultz, which I think was kind of the key in that game, especially with how close it was. Uh, they allowed Woodside, you know, even having an average game, to, you know, take his time in the pocket and make the passes that he needed to make. So I think the San Antonio O line is a good honorable mention. Yeah, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, Woodside was sacked, I think, five times, but that was playing against uh, two of the highest rank, uh, highest rated defensive linemen in the AAF, in Carter Schultz and Mike Purcell, who is the highest rated um, interior lineman in the AAF. So Purcell had two sacks, uh, but they did hold Schultz to none. I think that, as an honorable mention, San Antonio deserve, uh, San Antonio's offensive line deserves it. I think so, too. All right, moving on to defense. Demarcus Gates, linebacker from Memphis. He had seven total tackles, a defended pass, and a blocked punt. 
recovered by Terrell Bonds for a touchdown, which brought Memphis within a possession late in the third quarter, which, of course, was key to the win in overtime. Yeah, and uh, DeMarcus Gates, very, very solid uh, just single spot on this defense. Memphis defense has been very inconsistent. Uh, One week they look very good. The next week they're getting blown out. And DeMarcus Gates has been the one consistently good player on this defense. Uh it, the blocked punt brought Memphis within five points, I believe, uh, 19-14, and set up Brandon Silvers to bring him back to an overtime upset win. And I think that's why Memphis, uh, they, they get the offensive and defensive players of the week this week. But special themes didn't come from Memphis because no. McGinnis was one for two. Uh, so... Taylor Bertolet, the kicker from Salt Lake, he went three for four. He's my uh, fantasy nobody else, kicker. Yeah, nobody else kicked more than two field goals. I think it was a, it was another, not great week for kickers. Not as bad as last week since we gave our special teams play of the week to a punter. But, uh, yeah, Bertolet went three for four. He had a long of fifty three, another kick for fifty two. And uh, 13 fantasy points on only pretty three good. kicks. Pretty pretty impressive when you think about it. I'm also, impressed. I would like to apologize for last week because, uh, Tony, we forgot that Greg Ward had like an 82-yard punt return for a touchdown. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Greg Ward Jr., yeah. you get the... Uh, Week six player of the week. You get the week six special teams player of the week. Sorry about that. Sorry to, um, who was it? It was the Memphis punter. Uh, the Memphis punter was great too. Apologies to Ryan Winslow. He gets the honorable mention. There you go. All right. Honorable mention Ryan Winslow for week six. Uh, yeah, we're going back and changing that. It never just erase it from your minds. It never happened. Yeah. This is week six. And now we're back to week seven, so... Okay. Week seven, or week eight, actually, game predictions. We got Orlando versus Memphis, San Diego versus Salt Lake, Atlanta versus Birmingham, and Arizona versus San Antonio. I'll run through mine really quick. Uh, Orlando versus Memphis. I have Orlando in a close game because Brandon Silvers is going to be playing and Johnny Manziel is going to hype them up. Uh, but Orlando's still going to beat them. So, you know, that sucks. But it is what it is. Orlando's a really good team, and Memphis is not. Uh, San Diego versus Salt Lake. Salt Lake's going to pull off the upset, uh, if you can even call it an upset at this point, because San Diego officially sucks. San Diego's going to lose this one in uh, another really close game, because that's just what Salt Lake likes to do. Birmingham versus Atlanta. Birmingham is going to kill Atlanta. Uh, because Atlanta's been really good at that lately. It's just only scoring six points. Uh, Arizona versus San Antonio. I'm going to go with Arizona because... I don't know. Just because. Arizona... (laughs) (laughs) 
it'll be their fifth win. There you go. All right, you can go ahead. All right, so I also have Orlando winning. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much to say there. I don't think it's going to be as close as you probably think, Tony. Um, I say a solid double-digit win for Orlando. Oh, boy. Uh, my, my prediction is 31 to 18. You think they're going to drop 30 on them? Yeah. All right. I think Memphis is the first team outside of Atlanta. Or no. No, other teams have had 30 dropped on them. They've just lost by 30. Yeah. Um, Memphis isn't going to lose that bad. Come on. No. They're going to lose 31 to 18, though. (laughs) Um, Okay. I can see that happening. I have San Diego beating Salt Lake. Not by much, but San Diego has been very good at revenge games this season since they've had one and it was against San Antonio and I like to put that game out of my mind um yeah San Diego comes you know I, uh, for it, some reason I put a lot of Memphis games out of my mind <laughs> I, I don't know why yeah, no um is the game at Salt yeah so San Diego's going into Rick Eccles so it's going to be a little bit harder for them to get a win because they couldn't even win in San Diego but I think they come out with it because Salt Lake hasn't been that much better at home than they have been on the road and they haven't been very good on the road so uh on to Atlanta versus Birmingham I got the legends winning in this one Aaron Murray uh, shreds the Birmingham secondary that's been getting worse as of late. And uh, Luis Perez shows us that he's not a good quarterback again. So you know I what have... happens if Atlanta wins that one, right? Atlanta's within one game of Birmingham. And Birmingham's in the playoff spot. Oh, oh and then Birmingham so that makes a playoff plays... Birmingham plays it. Arizona and Orlando at both of them the last two weeks. And Atlanta plays in Atlanta versus Salt Lake and at Memphis. (laughs) We could see Atlanta going to the playoffs. Atlanta could make the playoffs. This this is possibly the greatest last three weeks of NFL, or not NFL, jeez. This is a bad league. Uh, The Alliance. Greatest last three weeks of football that I've ever seen. No, I was calling the NFL a bad league. Oh, okay. The Alliance is good league. Wonderful. We love the Alliance. Yes. Alright, Arizona for uh, San Antonio. Yeah, I have San Antonio winning. They're a better team. They're a hotter team right now. Uh, I think Arizona's run defense falters this game. Kenneth Farrow runs for 90-some yards, a touchdown, and a two-point conversion. Oh Trey Williams uh, has another 30-plus yard reception for a touchdown like he did last week. And I think Logan Woodside throws for two touchdowns and an interception and 240 yards. Also, I forgot to do score predictions for the last three games, so I'm going... 29 to 25 San Diego against Salt Lake. Keeping it close, okay. 
Yeah, because that's what Salt Lake does. Uh, Atlanta, 18, Birmingham, 9. Low scoring, okay. And uh, San Antonio... San Antonio... This is a tough one to pick, because I don't know whether San Antonio's defense holds Arizona down and Arizona's falters badly or if San Antonio scores under 20 or under 8 geez under 30 points but um still wins I think San Antonio 29 Arizona 12 Okay, so one of us is going to do really good this week. One of us is going to do really bad this week. So Yeah, we'll and I'd see. just like to clarify. I would like to clarify that last week I was not as bad as Tony said I was on okay. Twitter. We both went 3-1. and one. My score predictions were actually very accurate for the Saturday games. Okay, uh, I'll take that one. Yeah, I predicted Orlando 34, Atlanta 15. The final was Orlando 36, Atlanta 6. And I picked, I think, San Antonio 21, Salt Lake 18 was my prediction. And it was San Antonio 19, uh, Salt Lake 15. Then... The, the the Sunday games I wasn't as close because <laughs> I picked Arizona to win by two and they ended up winning by seventeen and I picked the Iron to win by seven so I was lost. I was close on the amount by that the team won by for the Sunday late game but I picked the wrong team and also I picked them to win fifteen to eight so yeah. Yeah, and last week I had uh, Orlando and San Antonio winning, which I was right. Uh, I also had, or no, I had a, uh, did I have? I, had, I think I had Salt Lake winning against San Antonio. No, you had San Antonio. The only wrong pick you had was San Diego. Oh, yeah, that's true. I had San Diego winning, and Arizona obviously won, uh, as we've talked about this whole whole episode. And I picked Memphis to win. <laughs> Which was a long you shot. You did, you did. But I was right. So, yeah, both of us three out of four, not bad. And uh, and one of us, one of us will be at least zero and four this week. Zero and four or one and three. Yeah. So we'll see how we'll see how that works out. All right. So that's Actually, all the time no, we have today. We could both uh, be two and two. I just realized oh. that. Are we good? Okay. Yeah. Anyways, that's all the time we have this week for the Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to watch all of the Alliance games this weekend. I know we will. And um, don't forget to set your uh, set your lineups. Uh, you know where to find us on Twitter, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spreaker, all those good places. The links are all on our Twitter page at AltFSPodcast. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week.